This is a CNIB Foundation podcast. Because Braille. Hi, welcome back to Because Braille. Today in the studio in Toronto, we have Joe Billard, who's going to be joining us to talk about her experience as a Braille user. Now, Joe, I understand that you've always been a Braille user. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Do you want to tell us a little bit about when you learned Braille, how you grew up using it, this kind of stuff? Well, I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I was born blind, so I uh, went to the school for the blind in Brantford, um, and I started learning Braille right from grade one. I was always an avid Braille reader. I remember taking stuff like work home at the end of my grade one year and reading to my mother, and I can't remember when I started getting books, probably sometime in grade two. Do you remember the first book you ever read in Braille? Not the first book I ever read in Braille. They sent me a talking book, and it was Alice in Wonderland, and I hated it, and it was those old machines, too. And then I got Braille, and I really don't remember what the first one was. I remember my first Braille book was something about a witch that got left behind, uh, and it was one of the few Braille books that was you know, available for kids. Um, and I really loved it because it allowed me to to sort of get my hands on the book and, and enjoy the book in a very different way. So let's talk about, you are an avid reader. You mentioned before that you like to read. So tell me a little bit about why Braille books versus Audible books. I like it because Braille books give you interesting um, takes on words. Uh, the, the, the punctuation can really make a difference, you know, if there's something in brackets or parentheses. And I've noticed in sci-fi books particularly, they seem to have capitals in weird places, and it just makes, it just changes the whole tone of what you're reading. Like, uh, for instance, in The Giver by Lois Lowry, uh, I remember the word released as uh, uh, having a capital it was something that they did in this society, and later we find out what it is. But it, the, the capital R made it very important. And that's something you think you, you would have missed in a, listening to the book as opposed to reading it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, Joe, when you hear people talk about children and technology and the fact that so much is available uh, from a technological perspective, like voiceover and audible books, and sort of the idea that maybe children don't need to learn Braille at an early age. How? What is your response to that? I find it pretty sad because there are so many different ways of getting information. I, for one, do not do well with audio. It, it doesn't stick with me. Uh, if I had to learn by audio... I would have probably failed everything. And it's just the, the kids aren't given the choice. And so you believe that that's wrong? Absolutely. Oh, yes, I believe it's wrong. What about the whole concept that, you know, if you're not a Braille teacher, you shouldn't be teaching little children Braille, uh, that, you know, parents should not be trying to introduce their children to Braille, let the, let the professionals do that? Um, I think that depends. Some parents, you know, might have might be enthusiastic enough to learn Braille. I remember when we were learn, doing some work with some kids in an after-school program at the library, um, one kid found 
some kind of Braille tutorial or something on his iPhone, and he learned it himself, and he was good. So I think it depends. So you don't necessarily agree or disagree with that kind of a... No, I think it um, depends on the situation. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a couple of just sort of fun questions. So just three, you know, relax, and uh, we'll, we'll take these questions as they come. What is your favorite Braille device? Just a plain old hard copy Braille book. A Braille book. Just, that's it? Plain yeah. and simple? Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the longest book you've ever read? Oh, I'm not really sure. Tried to, um, no, I, I don't really. Can't remember? I can't remember. And also it depends on who produced the book. So what do you mean by that? Well, I noticed that, you know, the American book, the ones that were produced in the States had more pages than Say the ones produced here, and then the ones from the UK, those are little tiny volumes. So it's kind of, so, I don't look for oh, Okay, that's fine. And, and so is it easier to read Braille that it, when it's Brailled on both sides or single pages? Like how is, what's your preferences in, in how you read a Braille book? Both sides. You like both sides? Yep. And just because it doesn't take up as much space or? Yeah, don't have to change the volume so much, and books are usually written on both sides, so... Less of a waste of paper. Okay. This might be a really bit of a, a, a touchy subject, but tell me about the new Braille. <laughs> I can read it. I don't have a problem reading it. I don't think I could write it. I prefer I prefer the old Braille, but if I was learning Braille for the first time, I think it would be easier to learn this new UEB. In your sort of, to summarize, what is the, what are the big differences? Well, there's a lot of... Words that are written out that had short forms and words, some words that were put together that are now separated. I kind of think it wastes space. I think we went went backwards. Okay. So, Joe, we've talked a little bit about audible books and, and your preference with Braille. So tell me a little bit more. Uh, you, you know, you've talked about punctuation and things like capitalization and stuff like that. Is there still space in our community for Braille books? Do we still, should we still be producing Braille? Should people, you know, suck it up and start using, listening to audible books? Or, or, or do we need to advocate, get out there and advocate for, for people to um, embrace the Braille and, and keep using it? I definitely think that we should advocate for Braille because I think it's because I'm such an avid reader that I can spell. And if you have poor literacy skills, it's going to mean less prospect maybe for a decent job, and we already have it bad enough. I think that Braille books is great. It's great to be probably reading off a Braille display. I haven't tried it yet, but I know that the way my Braille display is now, it's not in the greatest condition, and that would mean I would be able, that I wouldn't be able to read anything. So let's back up for a second. For those people listening who don't necessarily know what a Braille display is, can you can you describe that and talk about it a little bit? Well, I'm not very technical. But... That's okay. It, it, what you say, Braille display? Does it is this a device that hooks up to your computer? Yeah, it does, and I think it. You know, they have Bluetooth capabilities as well, so I think you can hook them up to your iPhone now, and it works with these pins somehow that. Um, up and down for forming the braille dots. So what you're seeing, what's on the screen is being displayed at your fingertips? Yeah. 
Okay, and and is that um, you mentioned you have one? It's old, but is that is that something? Have you read books using that, or do you use it just primarily for email and things like that? I use it for email and stuff because I find that I think I'm too fast a reader to keep up with the braille display, and so I have to pen line by line manually, and that's hard on my hand, and it takes a lot of the enjoyment out of it. Okay, so in an ideal world, how would braille be delivered? I. <laughs> I'm, this isn't a trick question. I'm just curious as to, uh, you know, your thoughts on that. How could we? How could Braille be delivered in a much more Braille-friendly world? Oh, I don't know. I think it depends on how what people like. Some people love to 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 uh, read Braille displays. Um, it would help if this, if I could get the settings to. One of the problems I have with Braille displays is that if it's uh. I get to the end of the line, and I have it set to the um, auto, whatever it's called, setting. I have to wait f for the Braille display to catch up before I can read the next line, and I just don't have the patience for that. Now, obviously, you read a lot of Braille. And on average, do you think that can people read as fast in Braille as people read with their eyes? I wouldn't be able to answer that, but I think I know I read pretty fast, but I think of... I've heard it's easier to skim when you're when you are using print. Okay, so are you able to skim? Tell me, you know, when you're reading Braille, are you, um, say, if you and someone cite it were reading the same article, would you be able to read it as quickly as they do? I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just kind of curious about speeding, and I know that uh, as a Braille, you know, a partial Braille user, I've used Braille most of my life, but not my primary. Um, method all the time. And I'm actually changing that as I get older because I'm finding that when I have to do like public speaking or like today where I'm asking you questions, having my notes in Braille in front of me, even shorthanded Braille to, to might make sense to me, but not necessarily to somebody else, gives me the confidence that I'm going to be able to put my fingers on the information I need right away. And so I might not be the fastest Braille reader, but I at least have that confidence. Do you find that Braille gives you that sort of secret confidence otherwise, like when you're doing things that where you have to do presentations or speaking in public and things like that? Yeah, I find that it does. In high school, I didn't, but I've learned how to make my notes concise but short enough. All right. Today we're in the studio in Toronto with Joe Billard, and we're going to be talking about a very unique kind of uh, group that was started at the Toronto Hub about a year and a half ago, Joe. Does that sound about right? I think so. Yeah, and the name of your group is? Uh, Braille Club at the Hub. Braille Club at the Hub. It sounds like fun to say. So tell us a little bit, How what what is Braille Club at the Hub? It's basically, I think, um, a way to... Is Promote Braille and have some fun doing it. Uh, uh, Karen, I think Karen Brophy started it, and it's been interesting. So is it a social group? Uh, is it to teach Braille? Is it to be Braille ambassadors? What's the purpose of the club? I think it's a bit of social and ambassadors. As far as teaching Braille, no. Okay. You don't need to know, you don't need to know Braille. It's not necessary. And so how are these club members demonstrating their ambassadorship? What kind of activities do you do? Let's see. We've done some um, 
after-school activities at uh, public libraries. There was um, there was the Maker Street, Maker, whatever. Maker Festival? Maker Festival. Okay. At the- and then you also were involved in Word on the Street? Word on the Street, that's right. So let's talk a little bit about the sort of work you did at the library. Who was involved in that, and, and who did it assist? I only made it to one of one of those sessions, and it's too bad, but I, because I would have liked to have made it to others, but I had other plans. Uh, we would um, show the kids Braille, um, give them a chart. Sometimes they would they would write things on the Perkins Brailler. I th- I think I read to the kids, or was that that might have been at another event. Okay, so even just in general, some of the the things you do, do you go out and re- do you speak to kids in the classroom? No, not yet. Okay, is that something your your club is interested in doing, or is that something that's sort of on the agenda? I think it was talked about last year, but I'm okay. Not... So with the library, um, it, you'd mentioned in a, a an earlier session that we talked about that you had some children that learn and taught themselves braille and learned braille. So is the the idea of going out into the libraries to teach children how to read braille, or is it to simply introduce them to the concept of Braille. I think it's more to introduce them to the concept. Okay. And then if they want to learn more, well, I don't see a reason why they couldn't. Okay. So let's talk about Braille in your life. You are a Braille reader. Do you use Braille uh, in your daily life for other things? I have my canned goods labeled. If, well. So tell us, how, how do you go about doing that? Well, that's, that's if I'm lucky. If, right now, I've been getting someone to help me you know, tell me what it is, and then I'll use my Dymo labeler. Uh, right now, I have Seeing AI. I just downloaded that, and I'm having some issues with it, but I'm hoping to overcome those and then be able to use use that. And then, uh, So you would use something like Seeing AI that would actually read it to you in print, and then you would put a Braille label on it? Yeah, it uses voiceover. Okay, so why wouldn't you just use voiceover and not, um, you know, skip the label part? Because it's faster for me to just grab a can and read it. I also am having a lot of trouble getting the cans in particular, I think, are pretty hard to position. And it's just quicker. Don't, it's quicker because I don't have to haul a machine around everywhere. Okay, that's fair enough. And tell it, you, you mentioned a Dymo tape. For those who might not know what that is, how does that work and, and how easy is it to use? I think it's a bit on the awkward side, actually. Okay. But because of the um, labeler and the Dymo stuff is this kind of clear plastic roll, and it fits in this in this um, device, and it's got a dial. You just um, turn it to the letter you want, and then it's sort of like a thing you squeeze. And it produces the Braille? Yeah. And there can- used to be. Can anybody use uh, one of these things? Yeah, anyone can because it's got the print. It's got print letters below it, so anyone can use that. Anyone can use that. Okay, so you you label your cans. What else do you do? Well, there's the elevator. You know, I use it for the elevator. Now, do you have to uh, put braille on the elevator yourself, or is it? <laughs> no, it's done. It's already like in my building. And then more more elevators. I'm seeing more more elevators with braille templates for the floors and uh, and on the over the door. To let you know what floor it is, I haven't. It's not by any means every it's not consistent. building, but no, it's not consistent. But it's there in some buildings. Yeah. So, Joe, if I were to ask you, where is the most interesting, unexpected place that you've ever found Braille? 
I found it when I went to a winter camp in the States. I actually found it on the washroom door in Michigan. And that was a surprise? That was a surprise because it's, I'd never seen it here. I'm not sure. Um, I don't sure they have to do that right now. I certainly haven't seen it. The the signs on the washroom doors? Yeah. Okay. Um, they're starting, I think, to be a lot more consistent. But quite often, if somebody's with us, they're they're seeing that for us, or maybe not being pointed out to you as often. Check it out. Check the doors. Quite some quite some often they they do have them now, which is a really, uh, I think, positive thing for us uh, as Braille users that we're moving towards. Uh, a more equalized environment. Okay, so the the washroom in Michigan, that was a surprise for you. Yeah. Have you ever gone into a grocery store and found any food labeled? Not yet, but I did have a medication I was on that um, had a label, and I kept the box just because of the label. Oh, okay. So was it an over-the-counter thing, or was it a prescription? No, it was a prescription, and I've only seen that one. And they they labeled it, or it came with the label? It came with the label. It was was, um, stamped in the box. Okay. So in Canada particularly, all of our um, products, our majority or most of, or some of, I guess it's supposed to be legally all of, um, have both French and English on them. How important would you say or or do you think it's reasonable to expect that they should also have Braille on them? I think it's totally reasonable because if it's uh, legal for for uh, print users, there's people who use Braille who are French-speaking. They should have the same rights to reading their material in Braille. So having the, the, the fact that right now we don't have French or English labels on them... Um, you think it's something we should be pushing to have those labels put on um, products so that we can read them? Yeah. Okay. What would you say the biggest challenge in your world as a Braille user is? Not finding enough. Uh, Right now, um, my biggest challenge is that if I could, I'd be reading, I'd be reading a lot more books than I am, but since the... I have to get them through the mail. I have to wait for that. I have to wait for them to be embossed. So there's still a bit of a, a lengthy delay in accessibility of materials. Yeah. Okay. And what would you say is, if there are any advantages to being a Braille reader, what would they be? I like the fact that when the power was went out, when we had those power outages... Um, there were there was a one time when I actually did have something to read, and I could just leave what I was doing, go read. Didn't need the light, didn't need to turn power for a device. Just flipped flip the book open. And were you one of these children that uh, took your books to bed and <laughs> oh, you... when when you weren't supposed to as a kid? Oh yeah, I I I uh, my siblings still remember that I used to read in bed read in bed and then when my heard my parent coming up the stairs I'd I'd uh, shove it under the covers didn't always work you didn't always get away with, with oh, no. the, the sneaking the books to bed did you read to your siblings in bed like when you did you share room or yeah shared a room i don't remember reading i read to my brother sometimes um i don't think any of the others were interested i went to a school for the blind and one of the uh, counselors was blind and she used to read to us at night and that was the best part because we could go in 
um, you know, we'd be all in bed with the lights out, and it was like this extra treat that she would come in and read to us, and she would read and read and read, and we'd all, like, be really quiet, because as long as we stayed quiet, she would keep reading. And, of course, the lights were, were off. I mean, you could see through the hall or whatever, but reading in the dark um, was actually one of the things that motivated me um, as a student to learn to read Braille was because this woman would was able to read in the dark, and I thought that was very cool. And uh, as a parent, being able to read to my kids at night the same way she used to read to us was, was, a, was a plus uh, thing. And when we went camping and stuff, uh, and actually even on car trips, I used to always have kids' books with me. And I could re- be in the front seat, and I would read to them while my husband was driving. And if we were doing any night driving, that was kind of cool. So a little, there's got to be some little perks with this Braille thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the other question that I have for you, Joe, is, how do you intend to celebrate Braille Literacy Day in 2020? I don't really know. You know, it's if there's some kind of activity happening, I'll take part in it. But I can't think of. I I I'm not very good at initiating stuff like that. I kind of depend on what other people. Okay, fair enough. Are doing. So you you like to follow along and and hype up the party if it's. Uh... Yeah. If it's happening. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today in the studio, Joe. And I really appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk to us about how Braille affects your life. And it's all because Braille, we can read. For more CNIB Foundation podcasts, visit cnib.ca slash podcasts.